correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello, Steve. Hello. And we're going to talk some RPGs, but before we get into that, let's talk about the wondrous atlas of creation's destiny. Yes. The wondrous atlas of creation's destiny is a mouthful to say, but it is also <laughs> another wonderful podcast here on the D20 Radio Network. Uh, hosted by Aramithius and Rials, it is essentially a deep dive podcast into Exalted. They kind of go back and forth. Well, I think, okay, first off, they have forgotten more about Exalted than I know. Yes, I think we can agree on that. And there is a lot about Exalted. Plus, it changes a lot with the additions. And the couple of episodes of theirs that I have listened to, it felt to me like they do a good job of taking this chunk of lore or this piece of the setting and really diving in on it, but then also explaining it in how it's different between some of the different editions and how you can use it in your game, which I think is a really cool way to approach things. Yeah, I think it's a... I, for one, am excited to get my hands on and play some Exalted. However, I am terrified to <laughs> crack open one of those books. Yeah. Um, not because I think it's a bad game, just because I think it's a very dense world and a dense, I mean, it's technically part of the world of darkness. Like, <laughs> Well, technically, but I think it's like its own separate, like, plain thing. Yes, but... Still. Which kind of, <laughs> kind of. By the way, if you want to check that out, uh, search it. They're on all the major podcatchers. We'll throw a link in the show notes to, you know, their feed page so you can find it there. All that fun stuff. And also, you know, check out d20radionetwork.com or d20radio.com, gamernation.com, gamernationcon, all that fun stuff. It's all great. We're looking forward to seeing as many of you crazy people as will meet us in Dallas as we can. Mm-hmm. 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 But... To circle back to what I started to say before I distracted myself, part of what you mentioned there about your feelings toward Exalted sort of ties into our topic for this week. It kind of does, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So, so you, oh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, you sent me an article. at the same time. I know. Right. Yeah, I, I sent you an article. It's a blog post by Neil Litherland, who we actually had on earlier in the year, well, last year. Uh, he's actually the designer behind Army Man. But he's done a bunch of work, actually, for World of Darkness and all kinds of other stuff. But he put up a blog post about scale. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things, when I saw it, I went, ooh. And then I read it, and I was like, man, like this crystallizes different thoughts and and ways I've felt about things in something that I can actually quantify. (laughs) Right, right. I knew that's what what I was thinking about, but not how to say it. Yeah, I... I think I told you I recently had to do some thinking about scale because I had reset expectations with my D&D group, mainly because I'm getting tired of the campaign I'm running and want to wrap it up here soon. Mm -hmm. 
and I have them all agreed to switch to Pathfinder, which is nice because it's okay. Guess what? It's not D and D. Uh, two because I well, I wanted to play two. I wanted to get my hands on it and play with it, and it's also the one that like half of my table was excited about. So aha, well, it's also probably the less D and D ish variant. Yeah, and it's also like, I, I don't mean, know a ton still, about it, but it's still Pathfinder, so it's it's still got its you know heroic fantasy stuff, and still mm-hmm. checks all the boxes that D and D does, and is just as you know. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited. I want to move on from D and D because uh, things keep getting worse, <laughs> well, to say the least. But um, I had to sit down with my players and be like, "Look, guys." I know, you know, when I originally set expectations, I planned on running this for like uh, almost two years. And at this point, I'm looking at I want to wrap it up by like April, March, April, like mid-April, because that'll be a year. You've been playing this game on and off, you know, obviously every week's different, you know, and every time Mm -hmm. you miss a game or whatever, I want to wrap up by like mid-April. And that means that we need to bring back the scale of this game a little bit because we were getting, you know, getting a little bit out there (laughs) and I was letting them do it because I was like, ah, you, you want to go there? We'll go there. And now I'm like, okay, now we got to bring it. Now we got to get a little bit more localized. We got to get this wrangled in because there's nothing worse than a, than a universe that is unruly, kind of like, like, uh, matted hair. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot. It's everywhere and you can't get rid of it. No, not you. I do, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, and I, I think like too, there's, there's multiple facets to this and, and what Neil was talking about in his article, which I'll throw a link to it in the show notes, just if anyone wants to check it out. But he was talking about it more in, in the context of the game system, which actually also like it, it crystallized like Look, uh, we've all heard me grumble about what happens as D&D gets to higher levels. And in this article, he basically says, that's what it's supposed to do. And it, it, it was like a light bulb for me because it's exactly like, yes, the power steps up dramatically with levels, but the game is intended for you to ramp up the scope and the scale of the campaign along with that which may not seem as grounded, but in the context of what it was designed to do, it makes a lot of sense. And it does. And I completely agree with that, that it is, you know, it's not meant to be, I think the thing we lose when we specifically are talking about D and D a lot of times. And I know, I I don't want to keep talking about it, but we got it. We got it. It's the 8 million pound elephant in the room. When we talk about D&D, we lose some of the sight that the game is, even through all of its seriousness, is meant to be ridiculous. It's meant to be grandiose and over the top and build to a ridiculous size. Um, I think back in second edition, or uh, running AD&D, they had all these rules for running whole armies, and that was the end game. The end game was like, Okay, you hit level 10, now you start recruiting people to your chapter. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you right. start like you're recruiting people, you're trying to bring them in and you're trying to build an army and then we're going to throw our army against the bad guys army and that's going to be the end of the game. 
Right. Well, you know, look at it like the Lord of the Rings. It starts with a handful of hobbits. Then you I have would rather not. the Fellowship of the Ring. Then, you, but you know what I'm saying? Like that build. No, I, I, I know exactly what you're driving at. It, it does build. It does, you know, you start, and the Lord of the Rings opens in Hobbitshire, right? Like mm-hmm. it opens with you and some dude's house hanging out and ends with the evil overlord has been overthrown. And now there are like, we have fought waves and hordes of orcs and we are, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we summoned an army of like, you know, astral beings. Yeah. Yeah. We also united the dwarves and the elves against a unified evil, right? Like it's, it's, it is meant to get big. Right. It starts in a cubby hole. It ends world encompassing effectively. Effectively, yeah. And and I respect that. I, I think that's cool. And he talks a little bit about army men and that, you know, army men's not meant to be world encompassing, right? Like Right. But like I think and and this again, like his counterpoint to you know how he's saying you're know, like D and D and Pathfinder a lot of times they, they do. They want that escalating scale. His counterpoint to that was say Call of Cthulhu, where in the scale of it your PCs are relatively, um, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, right? Your your PCs are relatively, geez, I can't talk, relatively insignificant. And so, like, the, the scale of the game is much smaller because, you know, you're not going to ultimately kill the big bad thing, save the world, you know, you're not going to to defeat the grand evil wizard or the ancient dragon and save the kingdom in call of Cthulhu. You're going to stop the cult for this week. That is going to summon the, the, you know, this thing or that thing, or maybe you managed to fight off this incursion from beyond of what in the scheme of things is actually not that powerful of a being relative to some of the other things in the beyond. Exactly. Yeah, and and the whole point of Call of Cthulhu is not dealing with things that are too big, right? Right. Well, I think, too, that's right. Cyberpunk Red, or Cyberpunk, is specifically the Artalsorian color of it, shall we say, isn't intended to go huge scale, really, I don't think. I think it uh, can, if it's done carefully. Yeah, I think... I think... Let me say it this way. Cyberpunk games I've ever played were never meant to go anything bigger than like localized to a section of the city, Mm -hmm. right? The best cyberpunk things I enjoy are so granular, are so small that in the grand scheme of the entire world, it doesn't matter. But to these characters, to this situation, it's the biggest deal in the world. Right. And I love that. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy about, like, I don't know if you want to call it small scope storytelling, um, but it it really, it really hits a nerve when I play something and it's like, oh man, this is just taking place in like two city blocks. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's yeah. Neat. Yeah. It's, it's, there, there's something, and like I said, that's where this, this article to me really kind of hit home was like it it made me kind of understand a lot of thoughts I'd been thinking, but like that, Oh, now I, I know what they mean, you know, like right. 
and it makes that weird power spiral that D&D has make sense. In a weird way, yeah. <laughs> like, if in you a think weird of way, it, it, in the context of the story, the designers intended you to, to weave with it. And now he, he does also say, right, like, you can play a smaller scale game with it, but that's where you're, you're either going, it's going to be a shorter game or you're just not going to advance much in levels. Right, exactly. And that's, I've, I've done those games before where it's like, oh, well, you're just, uh, you're only getting a level every once in a while. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. you're just not, you're not going to move at a speed. And that's, I think, especially in XP and, uh, level based systems, the, the scale in a lot of ways is based on the amount of levels or XP that you have. Take, let's say Genesis, for example. If I'm giving out a ton of XP every single time, my players are going to be maxed out and as powerful as possible by the end of this campaign. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm drip feeding them XP, they're going to feel weak and vulnerable the entire campaign. And depending on A, scale, and B, you know, tone, that's both of those things work really well together. Yeah. Well, I think where this kind of what this really brought to mind for me though was that i think as a gm you need to have a concept of what scale you're going for because like you just said if you're awarding xp like like the book says you know just to, Hmm. to paraphrase whatever well depending on how the system is designed that system is now pushing you to a grand scale campaign if you're not running a grand scale campaign or, or story, you know, cause your story needs to fit the scale, then you can't award XP like that. Or you need to find a different game that allows you smaller advancements. So, that, you know, so like, cause look, a lot of players love advancement. Well, if they don't get it, maybe they get bored. So you have to have some form of a, advancement to, to, satiate the players, but not enough that it drives your campaign out of the scope that you're intending or that you're prepared to deal with, right? Because I think that's the other thing, right? Like, as the scale gets bigger, as a GM, you've got a whole lot more balls to juggle. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You got to you gotta make sure that you have them, and you got to have them in the air, and you got to know where they're at at all times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, just the fact of the matter I wonder about something too, and and I'm just going to throw this at you because I want to hear your perspective. In talking about scale, though, he brings up specifically like the Warhammer 40k universe and games set in that. And I wonder is scale. Well, I think there's two two kind of meanings to the term scale, right? It's how big are the pieces. But I think in the way most of us, or at least the way in my brain it kind of works, it's not so much about how big the pieces are. It's how big your potential effect is, mm-hmm. but it's both, you know, like it's, it's a blend of both, but to me, a game, we'll say like a 40 K game where you're controlling, you're playing, you know, commanders of armies or a massive ship or, but in the grand scheme of the 40 K universe, again, as I understand it, you're still pretty much nobody and it really doesn't kind of matter. So it's big pieces, on a small scale, does that make sense? Yes, yes. Um, how do I? Or big pieces, small scope. How do I scope? explain this? 
Yes, big pieces. I think it's I think it's big pieces in an even bigger world <laughs> is the <laughs> best way to describe it. It's it's um okay. Here's the best way to put it. We grew up playing with Tonka trucks, right? Driving them around, filled them with dirt, right? Neither of us ended up in it, but had we ended up in construction, theoretically, we could play with that same type of equipment. Mm-hmm. Now, if we were tall beings, construction equipment would be Tonka trucks to us, right? Mm-hmm. I know this, just bear with me. We're getting there, right? So it's all about your relationship to the things around you, and which is what we've been talking about all night. And so in the scale of, let's say, 40K, they toss around things like a million, a billion, a trillion. These are numbers that are almost unfathomable to most people. The reason they toss around those giant, giant numbers is because they want people to understand that when when we're talking about, let's say, a warp engine or... We're talking about a battle. We're talking about a this, a that, a the other thing. It is on a scale that is almost unfathomable to us now, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, yes. How do I say this? Well, you can bleep me. Um, if you play as a, a, a space marine on a solo mission with a handful of other space marines, you might do something that means f- all on a big ship. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it is not going to mean nothing in the grand scheme of everything. But you and your company felt you did something really awesome. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And in the grand scheme of the 40K universe, it it wouldn't even equate to a fizzle on a star. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's something that can be really interesting when playing 4K, especially is making your players realize how insignificant they actually are and i know that sounds really mean and you feel like your players you know you feel like you're taking agency away when you use those type of terminology but making your players feel insignificant in the world is something that can set a scale like nobody's business it Mm -hmm. sets it sets an understanding that i am just a bug i am not you know i'm nothing here and that's kind of the same idea as call of cthulhu it's that same cosmic horror it's horror on a scale that is unknown to humans right right in a way 40k kind of has that feeling and so it's interesting because yes you could play a commander commanding an entire battalion of, of of infantrymen not one of those infantrymen matter in the grand scheme of the battle between you know Xenos and everybody else or the battle between chaos and not chaos. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really a, a, I definitely understand and agree with the idea of like using 40 K for, for size is like, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy how big that universe is. And it's crazy how small those stories are focused a lot of times. Right. And, And that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think scale is necessarily just, it is how big the pieces are, but I think it's more how big the pieces are relative to the world. Yes. Yep. I think I think you're on to it there. I think the the idea that the pieces are are tiny and relative to a giant world, I think that can be a really interesting story. I think 
you know, honestly, you can do a lot of things. I think it would be really fun to play like, I don't know, play little itty bitty pieces. Well, look at it this way. Um, what is it? Cobalt's Ate My Baby, right? Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with this game? I've heard you talk about it. I don't think I've ever actually looked at it. Oh, okay. Well, then that's not a good reference. Okay. In Havoc Brigade, we have a character that's made up of a bunch of goblins. Right. Uh, imagine, if you would, having a Havoc Brigade game where everyone plays a singular goblin in that string of goblins in a trench coat. <laughs> okay. Now you all have to work together. You all have to try and solve problems, but your problems are how do we walk naturally and not how do we break into the castle? <laughs> right. How do we not you know, get it's, like eaten by the rest of the orcs? Exactly. How do it's, it's, you know, playing, uh, everyone is John, right? How do we, how, how do we make John function here? Cause there's 15 of us and we all have to work cohabitarily. You know what I mean? Not 15, mm-hmm. but you know what I'm driving at? Right. Right. No. And I think like, and, and it's something, I guess I never thought of, I never thought about how much thought I should put into telling my players what scale I want the game we're going to run to be on. You know what I mean? And somewhat like kind of related to that, right? As a player, you want to build a character concept that's appropriate for the scale. And that's a whole lot easier said than done. But if we look at, we'll just say, take the original Star Wars trilogy or even just A New Hope. Okay, we start, Luke Skywalker is a farm kid. Han Solo is this cocky smuggler pilot. Luke develops a whole lot more in the scale of his abilities than Han does. One could argue that as far as a, from a skill perspective in an RPG context, Han really doesn't advance much at all in, in, over the course of the movies. Luke, on the other hand, goes from being farm kid to practically God. Right. <laughs> or, and you know what and I mean? even scale and even like, you know, skill, I mean, and even personality wise, Han doesn't change. Luke does change. You see Luke change from a whiny, um, self-centered farm boy and turn into this, what he realizes is like a rebellion leader and is trying, like you see him in that third film, trying to be the adult in the room. And that's a Mm -hmm. major step up from where we started with, I was going to go down to Tashi Station and get some power converter. Like, quit, quit complaining, kid. Like, just do some, (laughs) you know. Like, if you knew, if you knew half of the hell that was coming for you, you would not be complaining to go do some farm work. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and so I guess, right, if, if you manage things right, both concepts can work in the same story. But, like, I guess it, I, what I'm trying to say is it's worth trying to make a character that'll be interesting at the scale you're going to be at. Mm-hmm. Like, for okay, to just again, because Star Wars is an example that so many of us know. If if we're going to stay in in the first, you know, first segment of A New Hope, Han is a much much more interesting character to play mm-hmm. than the whiny mm-hmm. farm kid. Yeah, but as it progresses, it becomes Han is sort of there to fly the ship and 
Luke gets to do all the fun stuff, you know? So if your GM is going to run a campaign, that's going to stay small and you make a Luke Skywalker, you may not have the best time. Well, and you, you probably won't see the growth that Luke Skywalker went through. Right. Right. Like, but you get what I'm driving at as far as, and like I said, if, if a player had asked me going into a campaign, what are you thinking scale wise? I don't know that I would have always had an answer for them. And and having read this, it's at least something I'm going to think about, you know, but I think scale also can kind of, I don't know if it means the same thing, but you brought up Havoc Brigade and this was kind of rattling around my head. Havoc Brigade is a game of a unusual scale, if you will, mm-hmm. because it's not really about, like most games are the story about we're going to do a thing and it's how do we get to do the thing? Right. Havoc Brigade is really a story about we were supposed to go do a thing. This is what happened along the way. <laughs> it's not at all about the end of the story. It's about the shenanigans along the way. Yeah, it's it's the journey. It's not the it's not the conclusion. And I get but that. it's that's like a different scale to a, in a way, isn't it? It it really is. It's it's a different like approach it's a different scale like you said i think that again it's a very you know havoc brigade isn't concerned with anybody outside of the party literally we're not, not really. concerned with we're not concerned with rescuing nobody we're not concerned with saving nobody we're not concerned with helping nobody we are concerned about me and my four friends and we got a job to do and we're going to go do that real quick except we're in the way uh except you know <laughs> This this guard in particular that is currently drowning in a river needs blown up real good. <laughs> right. It it and it's look, you'd have to read the game for those of you out there who haven't heard of it. We're actually uh this is a game, you know, I've talked about it a bunch. I've run it a couple conventions. We're actually running it on our weekly game right now. And we've re- recorded it thus far, and it is just shenanigans, is what it really comes down to. But it's kind of one of those, it's, it's, it's fun. It's relaxing. It's entertaining. So that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it is again, you know, like I said, nobody in Havoc Brigade gives shit about anybody else that isn't currently actively at that table. And, and, <laughs> and there's I'm, a question genuine... here as to how much of a shit is given about the rest of the characters at the table by any given character. Well, yeah. But that's I half mean, the fun. If if the goblins died, I don't think anybody would be like, oh, man, the goblins died. I think everybody would be like, oh, cool. Moving on anyways. <laughs> but yeah, it's it. Oh, I love that game. I love that game so much. It's such a goofy little, you know, it's, it's I I could also say the dynamic is vastly different online as opposed to playing at a physical table. It's much more madcap at a physical table. I'm sure. Well, online, and I can tell you this much, we're all very cautious about talking over each other. Mm-hmm. And and that doesn't that doesn't happen at a table. At a table, it's who can yell the loudest. And that's kind of in the spirit of Havoc Brigade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at a table for Havoc Brigade, it's very much. Can I make more noise than you can? Yes, I can. Do I want my thing to happen? Yes, I do. <laughs> Not in like a disrespectful way, but right. in, in very much a just in jest, having a good fun time. Uh, 
that game is so fun. It kind of encourages the the silly one-upsmanship. Yes. Like, can I do yeah, something more ridiculous than you just did? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can I? What's the most ridiculous thing I can do right now? Mm-hmm. But. And by the way, technically, as it was originally developed, that's set in the 40K universe. That's what I was just going to say. Those are, in a roundabout way, 40K uh, orcs. And that's what I was telling a buddy of mine. I was like, you need to check this game out. He doesn't play as much as he used to. And he went and read it and was like, are these 40K orcs? And I'm like, kind of. They're not. They're legally distinct 40K orcs. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was like, oh, I understand now why it's ridiculous. And he is the 40K lore person. Now, I don't want to out him here because I'm sure there's somebody in 40K lore than him. But he knows a whole lot more than I do. And so him telling me le- lore from 40K is is like, I feel like... Um, I don't know how to put it. Like most of us feel in a Star Wars discussion between like Jay Little, Chris Witt, and Keith Kaplan. Yeah. yeah, like somebody's just talking right over top of your head. Like, oh, I, that's cool. That's a cool idea. I'm going to grab that real quick, but I'm just going to let the rest of this float by. <laughs> <laughs> and and he read it and was like, oh, man, they even got the part where they're made from mushrooms. I'm like, yeah, I know. Because he was, he told me some stuff. I I don't even want to repeat it because I know it's, if I repeat it, it's going to be wrong because I only got like a quarter of what he was actually saying. But yeah, he was, it's, it's a really, that's a really freaking cool game. That's a really cool game. And you know what, though, now that I think about it, I think that's what makes, and again, my experience is limited, but like Powered by the Apocalypse games, they're very limited scale. Mm -hmm. But by limiting the scale, they focus so much better. Now, again, a, another thing that we have sort of limited experience with, because neither of us have played a ton of them, but we've both played ones that we've enjoyed, supers games. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it be Mutants and Masterminds, or we played, you know, Mutant City Blues, or I've played a little bit of the Sentinel Comics game now. And all of those, the best supers games I've had the most fun with are not going, okay, you got to save the planet. It's okay, you got to save this part of X city, right? Mm-hmm. We had so much fun with Alex playing, um, playing, what did he, what did we, Modoc family reunion. Mm-hmm. And that setting is not like it's, it could be world shattering if you let Modoc do Modoc things, but getting in there and stopping him, you're stopping him at a local level. You're not, you know what I'm saying? Right. Right. And like, but yeah, Mutant City Blues, is, sorry, Mutant no, City no, no. Blues, even though it's a cop drama is like a city. Right. <laughs> right. That's the scale. And that's perfect. It's just enough rope to hang. Right. Like it's just, it's just enough space that you could be in the wrong part of the city when the thing happens. Right. You could be, but you're not halfway across the globe when the thing happens. Right. And I think that's, 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 I'm going to say for me, having read this and, and, and got a little time to think about it, I'm actually much more comfortable running games at a smaller scale. Yeah. And definitely. I, I think also, as a player, in a sense, I almost like smaller scale better because 
yes, it's really cool to do the big, awesome, world-changing things. But I think there also comes a what's next. I don't know, man. I've done a lot of big, world-changing adventures. But the ones I always come back to are the ones like, we played your Delta Green game, right? Your Mm -hmm. Delta Green game was set in BFEPA, right? Mm -hmm. And we weren't like, yeah, we might have been dealing with some kind of cosmic entity, but we weren't aware or cared that it was any greater than a thing that was happening in a trailer in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right? Like it's, it's, I like, I agree with you that I think for stories that I enjoy, I like stories that are localized. I like stories that are tight and concise and happen in an area. And then, you know, if that area expands, okay, that area expanded to a reasonable amount. It didn't go from, we're telling a story about a small town to, uh, we're telling a story about the world to, we're telling a story about the universe. Right. And you can tell those stories, and that's that's where D&D really sh- does show through and shine through when it comes to that stuff. And I agree with the article, but you got to have the right kind of system to tell those stories. Mm-hmm. And I think D&D, with its power ramp and creep, it really does. I think Rifts well, is kind of the same way. So it, possibly. Uh, yeah, Rifts is a little weird. Yeah, Rifts is just weird. Um, well. But. You know, I was thinking that the perfect example of kind of how the scale expands is Gurren Lagan. Mm-hmm. Gurren is, I mean, you start underground. Yeah. And then like you end. And I don't want to talk about the ending of that show, not because I dislike it or anything, but because if you have not seen Gurren Lagan, you should fix that. Probably. <laughs> I'm just but saying. In, in terms of like, the stepping up of scope, I could point to that, I think, is is almost a textbook example. See, and then on the on the opposite end, a story I absolutely love that is also a mech story. So you're talking about giant tanks is uh, Gundam's 8th MS team, which is about a team of fighters in a location fighting for their lives, you know, in mm-hmm. a in a war. That's, it's a very local, it's basically mash with, uh, it, it is basically mash with mechas. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I like it so much because it, I think if I ever wanted to tell a like mech story, that's the kind of story I'd want to tell. I don't want to tell the like, oh yeah, everybody gets in their big giant mech and go punch big things. I want to tell the story that's like, okay, you're running out of fuel. You're in the middle of the nowhere. You are starving. You are hungry. The enemy is everywhere, and it is a scary situation. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's, I don't know. It's the, it's the. I, I think that would be a fun mech story to tell, and I, I, I need to start reading some mech stuff for as far as tabletop RPGs because uh, I still have yet to read Mechasis, and I'd like to. Yeah, I've got a, a concept that that I had been tossing around, and I, I realized today that maybe what I need to do to kind of help myself along with it is to find my scale. Yeah. That probably would help. Um, Cause that sets you, I mean, and then from a, from a storytelling creative standpoint, if you set your scale early enough in your story, 
you that dictates the type of story you're going to tell and mm-hmm. having those having that little bit of restriction i think opens you up to more unique and interesting storytelling if that makes any sense uh because if you're restricting yourself in the size of the story you can tell you're trying to tell the most compelling story for the size that you're building mm-hmm. does well, that also am i making sense with that yeah well and also a grander scale requires more foundation thus it's got to start slower for longer kind of right in a grander scale a grander scale requires a little bit more prep than i'm comfortable with or care to do if i'm completely honest both prep and at the table right you like yeah you gotta think like you were talking supers if you start play as the super friends where do you go from there exactly yeah, if you know, or the if Justice start, League or whatever, whatever. Yeah, if you start as the Justice League, are you, you know, are you the Justice League that's up in space monitoring all of Earth, or are you the Justice League of America that is in America monitoring what's happening there? Are you the Avengers who, you know, just report to issues as they happen, or are you the Avengers who are, you know? Or are you the defenders who are just basically a bunch of street level gang or street level mm-hmm. superheroes? Or um, DC's but, Legends of Tomorrow was one I liked. I never the, watched the it. series. I wanted on to, but CW. I never got around to it. But yeah, that's more street level ish stuff. But in their case, they were in some cases affecting much bigger things. Yeah, I think it's I, it definitely sets it definitely sets some pacing for your games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I, I just like I think it was a thing that as much as I was aware of it, reading this article kind of like crystallized the the I the idea that oh crap, no, I really need to pay attention to this because at least to me, this is important. No, I completely agree. And I, I think it it does the article and like we said, we'll have the article linked in the descriptions down below. But the article definitely puts the weight on it that is necessary where I think a lot of people like I didn't well I I did and I didn't I didn't consciously put a lot of effort into the scale or size of my games I don't do that consciously subconsciously yeah I I realized after reading the article because I sat down and I was like well how do I manage scale and I realized that yeah subconsciously I'm just I just handicap myself when it comes to size and I don't expect players to go farther than the area that I give them. Right. Mm. Like if I, if I plop players in a city and I tell them this is the continent we exist on, I expect those players to play on that continent and then not be like, well, what's the world outside? Like, which is what sort of tripped me up. And I'll be completely honest. It's what got me sort of interested in the players that I have for D and D now, because they went, Let's hop on a spaceship and see what the rest of the world looks like. Okay, we'll get on a spaceship. We're going to go out there because they were growing at a rate at which it was justifiable. If it had been a cyberpunk red game and they were like, let's hop on a bullet train and head to another city, I'd have been like, no. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I, said, I, I just like it was weird because, and I know I keep saying it, but it's like a topic you were aware of, 
but at least for me, I, I couldn't quantify it. Oh, I know exactly the feeling because we've done like three episodes recently about this exact thing <laughs> in, in a certain way, right? Like this is kind of like we were talking about space a couple episodes ago and, and it's sort of in that same vein, but not that, you know, it's, well, it's yeah, it, it, you had sort of got into the, on that episode about, you know, the space of play and all that. And that's basically what this is, the space of play and the, the space of setting and blah, 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 blah. That's, that's what this kind of conversation is coming back around to of how big do you set your world? How small do you set your world? How localized do you want your stories to be? How delocalized do you want your stories to be? And mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. I think it's really fun to talk about. I think it's definitely a, an exercise in mental gymnastics that any GM should really try and take a, a, a whack at. Because if you're not, if you're, you know, it's, I really appreciate the the people that are out there and they can tell the same story over and over and over and over and over again. And that's great. That's fantastic. Your repeatability is phenomenal. However, uh, I think in order to stay a good storyteller, you need to add new tools, new tricks, new things to your belt. And one of those things is just thinking about mental splinters, thinking about things that are maybe a little more challenging to think about like this, like, um, you know, different topics we've had on the podcast. I think that's one thing that, and I don't, I don't want to toot our own horn, but I think that's one thing that our podcast does really well is that it's really just a discussion about how to be better at what, how to be better at these games that we all enjoy. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and whether or not we have answers, that's completely up to whoever's listening. But what right. we do is we definitely have a conversation around it and we definitely try to um, we definitely try to improve ourselves along with, you know, if there's anything that people walk away from the podcast with like, oh, I really latched onto this. That's fantastic. I'm so glad to hear stuff like that because it's mm -hmm. like I say it just to hear myself talk sometimes. You, you know this just as much as I know this. Sometimes we have to sit down and be like, look, <laughs> you do this X, Y, and Z thing really well. Please play to those strengths. Mm -hmm. And and you've done it to me. I've done it to you. And then we've had conversations of like, well, I'm really hung up on this. Well, why are you hung up on that? Because you already know that you do X, Y, and Z thing really well. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, I do. I know why I'm hung up on, you know, I, I shouldn't be hung up on this because I'm just going to move past it anyways, or whatever the, whatever, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Right. Am right. I making sense? <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, look, our goal is not necessarily to make the best apple pie. We're just trying to shake a whole lot of apples out the tree. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to make apple pie or applesauce or throw them at each other or hit them with golf clubs. I could care less. I could. Um, I the whole reason for the podcast is an excuse for me and you to sit down weekly and just talk about this hobby that we really love. Right. And we've talked about it in the past that if there were nobody, if there was nobody listening, we'd still sit down weekly and probably play a game and then talk for a couple hours or an hour or so after the game about. Oh man, did you do this, that, or the other thing? Or how did you do this? Or what was that thing? Right? It, right. It's, it's just, a, you know, that's just how it is. Yeah. Fun times. Well, mm -hmm. 
we said a lot of things and I think we've said a lot of nothing at a lot of times, but we've said a lot of things. <laughs> Why don't we go ahead and move into game? Woohoo! Game of the week. Game of the week. Game of the week. And my voice literally dropped out as I was saying game of the week. <laughs> Anyways, I have a game when, uh, if you're ready for it. Yep. It is called Black Bag. Okay. It is a. Uh, I'm sending it in the green room. Okay. To be prepared. It is a multiverse uh, spy game, essentially. The multiverse okay. is real, and your cadre is the only thing standing between the world we know and the dangerous reaches of other dimensions. In a constantly shifting battlefield, you execute missions by infiltrating compounds, gathering intel, reaching your objectives, and then getting the hell out. Your side, but stays in constant communication, able to leverage stronger resources to help you get the job done. It looks like a lot of fun. It kind of reminds me, did you watch Loki season one? Yes. Okay, so you know what the TVA is? The yes. time variance? Okay. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of like a, a game built around that concept. And I, I, I'm absolutely down for something where your whole job is to keep the status quo also being super weird about keeping the status quo. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, no. yeah, go ahead. No, I can see this, like like you're saying, like very much like, yeah, Loki season one. Mm-hmm. Or whatever the new Deadpool was going to be, because that trailer dropped and it looks so good. <laughs> so good. Um, I have not, look, give me some slack. I have not been excited for a Marvel movie since uh, before Endgame. Like, the last Iron Man was the last Marvel movie I was acting. No, I take that back. It was uh, Thor. Uh, Love and Thunder? The no, the one before that, Ragnarok. Okay. That was the last Marvel movie I was excited for. It was Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> so I'm excited for Deadpool, but I'm also excited for Black Bag. And that is uh, an RPG by Jeff Mitchell. So 15 All bucks right. on drive-thru. It's 115 pages. Pick it up. Check it out. All right. Well, so I went more in something I would expect you to pick up this week. Okay. I found a game called The Hunt for Coffee. Ooh. It self-describes as a short, silly adventure that uses the D12 Go rules and is intended for a group to complete in a single gaming session, played with one to four players and a game master. Hmm. Just revolves around a strange occurrence in the fictional small town of Beanville, USA. <laughs> you know, it, it comes with pre-gens, prompts for random events, some storytelling tips and stuff. Here's the best part. It's pay what you want and suggested price is only a buck. There. Yeah, at least throw them a dollar. You That's know, pretty cool. I, I think that looks fun. I would play that. Yeah. I'm adding very it to small my repertoire. But, 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 I mean, like, I think it, it feels like another game, like we were talking about, where, where Havoc Brigade is, is about the journey and about the getting there than about the end, the resolution, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That looks really fun. <laughs> yep. And so, again, that's called The Hunt for Coffee. Uh, it's a wow. little thing. It's by uh, Brad Zimmerman. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Oh, and it dropped yesterday. Yesterday. Aha. Yeah, <laughs> I feel that because mine dropped on the fourth. So, but well, 
As always, links to everything are in the show notes. Discord, Patreon, uh, anywhere podcasts are found. If you're listening to us and you feel like it, leave us a, 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 a five-star review. If you don't feel like leaving us a five-star review, please come in the Discord and yell at me and tell me why you don't, why I don't deserve a five-star review. And I want to thank all of the new people that have been coming and joining the Discord. We've got a handful of new people that have popped in. And just like the other day, I saw one that was like, oh, longtime listener. You know, mm-hmm. I appreciate that kind of stuff. Come join us on Discord. The more people that are in our Discord, the more fun and games and conversation and really thought provoking conversations that can happen. Mm-hmm. There's always some good, you know, there's always something going on over here. Um, and if there isn't if not, start something, yeah, it, all it takes, all it takes. I watched, uh, I watched Hagen do it the other day. I think he was bored and he was in our discord and he's like, it's quiet here. And everybody just, blah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was, Hey, I don't know. It was somebody, but yeah, they were just like, I'm bored or it's, it's, it's quiet here. And everybody went nuts, nuts. But yeah, come into the Discord. Come have a conversation. Come talk about, you know, that thing you like. It's cool, man. Yeah, I, just I love it. Bounce your ideas off other people. Lord knows, Insta yeah. will put up half a novel this week. I <laughs> I appreciate what InstaWin does. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I do not have time <laughs> to read all of that. And I'm very sorry, InstaWin. I appreciate what you do. Ugh. <laughs> uh. But yeah, very cool stuff. You know, Brett Bowen hangs out in our Discord. Um, all kinds of people. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely come check us out. And and if you have a couple bucks, you feel like throwing a couple bucks our way, come join the Patreon. We appreciate it. We're completely listener funded at this point. That means our hosting is paid for. That means that, you know, uh, last Gamer Nation Con, we needed a little bit of help with some things. The Patreon helped that out. We're good to go on that. You know, it, it, it really is. It really is a, a listener funded thing. And we really appreciate everything that y'all do. And even just coming and hanging out with us. Yep. Uh, man, it's so freaking cool. It's so cool that we have a Monday night game that is made up with like, yeah, one of your friends from college. But the majority of those people are just from the podcast. People mm-hmm. we've met from the podcast. Yep. Just the facts. So, Yeah. And I want to thank everyone for listening, and I want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. Keep talking. I can hear you. I got to tie the dog out real quick.